Quanta Magazine's podcast. Each episode, we bring you stories about developments in science and mathematics. I'm Susan Vallett. It's 2014. Cole Fury is a graduate student at the University of Waterloo, Canada. She's curious to talk to a Penn State professor who discovered something 40 years earlier. So she rents a car and drives six hours south to Penn State to talk in person with physics professor Murat Gnaiden. Fury had figured out how to build on Gnaiden's finding, a largely forgotten result that supports a powerful suspicion about fundamental physics and its relationship to pure math. Many physicists and mathematicians have suspected over the decades that forces and particles spring logically from the properties of eight-dimensional numbers called octonions. They're the last and least understood division algebra. But do the octonions hold secrets of the universe? know what real numbers are, just from sitting through math class in grade school, or as Fury explains. So the real numbers are the numbers that you're used to using in everyday life. They span from minus infinity to plus infinity, and they include numbers such as 0, 1, 2, 3, 4, and they also include other numbers, like rational numbers, like the number pi. So we say that the real numbers are one-dimensional because we can lay out all of the real numbers on an infinitely long line. But real numbers are just the beginning. They can be paired up in a particular way to form complex numbers. Those were first studied in 16th century Italy. They behave like coordinates on a 2D plane. Adding, subtracting, multiplying, and dividing is like translating and rotating positions around the plane. Complex numbers, suitably paired, form 4D quaternions, discovered in 1843 by Irish mathematician William Rowan Hamilton. He was so excited he actually chiseled the formula into Dublin's Broom Bridge. Hamilton's lawyer friend, John Graves, subsequently showed that pairs of quaternions make octonions, which is what Fury is looking at. It turns out that the octonions are eight-dimensional. And they also have some curious properties. But after Graves' discovery of octonions, the trail went cold. Proof surfaced in 1898 that the real numbers, complex numbers, quaternions, and octonions are the only kinds of numbers that can be added, subtracted, multiplied, and divided. The first three of these division algebras would soon lay the mathematical foundation for 20th century physics. In it, real numbers are common and everywhere. Complex numbers provide the math of quantum mechanics. Quaternions lay the foundation for Albert Einstein's special theory of relativity. But so far, no one has figured out how octonions connect to nature. Many researchers wonder, where do octonions fit in? Could they hold secrets of the universe? Fury wants to find out. The octonions could be important for particle physics because they seem to mirror the behavior of certain elementary particles under the strong and electroweak forces. That's why Fury went to see Penn State professor Murat Gnaiden, who was a grad student at Yale in 1973. He and his advisor, Feza Gurzi, found a surprising link between the octonions and the strong force, which binds quarks together inside atomic nuclei. The initial flurry of interest in the finding didn't last. Everyone at the time was puzzling over the standard model of particle physics. That's the set of equations describing the known elementary particles and their interactions via the strong, weak, and electromagnetic forces, 
basically all of the fundamental forces except gravity. But rather than look for mathematical answers to the standard model's mysteries, most physicists place their hopes in high-energy particle colliders and other experiments. They expected additional particles to show up and lead the way beyond the standard model to a deeper description of reality. They were looking for new pieces rather than looking at what was already there. Decades later, we still haven't found any particles beyond those of the standard model. Meanwhile, the strange beauty of the octonions has continued to attract the occasional independent-minded researcher, including Fury. The Canadian grad student with choppy silver bangs that taper to a point between her piercing blue eyes knew she had to visit Gnaiden at Penn State five years ago. She found him and tried to explain that she'd extended his and Gerzi's work by constructing an octonionic model of both the strong and electromagnetic forces. Fury scrawled esoteric symbols on a blackboard, but she says he was so excited that she struggled to get in a word edgewise. Gnaiden had continued to study the octonions since the 70s by way of their deep connections to string theory, M-theory, and supergravity. These are related theories that attempt to unify gravity with the other fundamental forces. But his octonionic pursuits had always been outside of the mainstream. So he advised Fury to find another research project for her PhD, since the octonions might close doors for her. He certainly felt they had for him. Recent books have called octonions the graveyard of theoretical physics. But it gnawed at Fury. She had an intuitive hunch that the octonions and other division algebras underlie nature's laws. She couldn't give up. She didn't. Fury told a colleague that if she didn't find work in academia because of her quest to study octonions, she planned to take her accordion to New Orleans and busk on the streets to support her physics habit. She would get there one way or another. But Fury didn't have to hit the streets. She landed a postdoc at the University of Cambridge in the UK. Fury has since produced a number of results connecting the octonions to the standard model, which experts call intriguing, curious, and novel. Shadi Tavoldarzadeh is a mathematical physicist at Rutgers University. He became aware of Fury after a friend posted a video of Fury on Facebook. Tavoldarzadeh says he looked up Fury's work and read her papers and became hooked. He even visited Fury in Cambridge. She's asking the question, why is the nature the way it is? And so it's not just interested in the question of how nature works. In other words, for example, a lot of her work is connected to the standard model of particle physics. And, you know, standard model is a very successful theory of particle physics, but it's a kind of a descriptive theory. It tells you that there are these many particles, and they have these charges and these colors, and they have this kind of symmetry group, or a particular gauge group, and so on and so forth. Mm-hmm. What the standard model does not tell you is why. Why exactly we have these many quarks and electrons and neutrinos, and why do they have the symmetries that they have, and why do they have the charges that they have, and so on? These kind of questions are not answered. And Cole's goal is to find out why, to come up with sort of unique structures, mathematical structures, that sort of give you a compelling reason why it has to be this way.
and no other way. Fury has yet to construct a simple octonionic model of all standard model particles and forces together, and she hasn't touched on gravity. She says the mathematical possibilities are many, but experts say it's too soon to tell which way of bringing together the octonions and other division algebras will lead to success, if at all. Michael Duff is familiar with Fury's work. He's a pioneering string theorist and professor at Imperial College London. He studied octonion's role in string theory. He has found some intriguing links, but it's hard to say whether they're profound or whether it's just some mathematical curiosity. It's too early to tell, in other words, I would say. But it certainly is worth pursuing, in my view. It's, it's sufficiently interesting that one should carry it forward. But whether it will ultimately be the way the standard model is described, it's hard to say. I mean, if it were, it would qualify for all the superlatives, revolutionary and so on. Fury is not what you think of when you think of a mathematician and physicist. On the day Quanta reporter Natalie Wolchover met up with her at Trinity Hall of the University of Cambridge in England, Fury's current post, she was wearing a sleeveless black T-shirt that showed off her muscular arms that had bruises from doing mixed martial arts. Her rolled-up jeans revealed socks with cartoon aliens on them and sneakers made by Vegetarian Shoes, a vegan-friendly brand of footwear. Sometimes you might find her on a purple yoga mat on campus, doing physics on the grass. Fury says she was first drawn to physics in high school in British Columbia. Her teacher told the class that only four fundamental forces underlie all the world's complexity. The teacher went on to say that physicists since the 1970s had been trying to unify all of them within a single theoretical structure. She says it was the most beautiful thing she'd ever heard. Fury had a similar feeling a few years later as an undergraduate at Simon Fraser University in Vancouver when she learned about the four division algebras. One such number system, or infinitely many, would seem reasonable. But she remembers thinking how peculiar it was to have specifically four. Fury later met the division algebras again in an advanced geometry course and learned just how peculiar they become in four strokes. Fury says when you double the dimensions with each step as you go from real numbers to complex numbers to quaternions to octonions, you lose a property in every step. For instance, real numbers can be ordered from smallest to largest, but in the complex plane, there's no such concept. Next, quaternions lose commutativity. For them, a times b doesn't equal b times a. This makes sense since multiplying higher dimensional numbers involves rotation. When you switch the order of rotations in more than two dimensions, you end up in a different place. Much more bizarrely, the octonions are non-associative. That means that multiplying the product of A and B with C doesn't equal multiplying the product of B and C with A. Mathematical physicist John Byes of the University of California, Riverside, is a leading expert on the octonions. Non-associative things in general are strongly disliked by mathematicians, you'd have to say. Because while it's very easy to imagine non-commutative situations, like if you put on your shoes and then your socks, it's obviously different than putting on your socks and then your shoes. It's very hard to think of non-associative situations. Like if you put on some 
socks and then shoes and then boots. That's the same thing as like putting on your socks and shoes and then your boots. Mm -hmm. Parentheses just seem completely artificial there. The Octonion's seemingly unphysical non-associativity has crippled many physicists' efforts to exploit them. But Baez says their peculiar math has always been their chief allure. Nature, with its four forces batting around a few dozen particles and antiparticles, is itself peculiar. Physicists like to make up very beautiful, mathematically beautiful theories. But if you're trying to explain the real world, you somehow have to get from that beautiful mathematics over to the sort of weird peculiarities of what we actually see. And no one really knows how to do that. So like there's one approach, which I don't like much at all, which is this multiverse approach where you say, eh, everything is possible. I mean, that could, that could be true. To me, that's sort of depressing. <laughs> so the, another approach is to try to say, well, maybe if you think about it right, all the features of the standard model that seem very, you know, quirky and idiosyncratic are actually just right. They're, you just have to, like, see it the right way. In the standard model, elementary particles are manifestations of three symmetry groups. These are essentially ways of interchanging subsets of the particles that leave the equations unchanged. These three symmetry groups are known as SU3, SU2, and U1. They correspond to the strong, weak, and electromagnetic forces, and they act on six types of quarks, two types of leptons, plus their antiparticles, with each type of particle coming in three copies, or generations, that are identical except for their masses. The fourth fundamental force, gravity, is described separately and incompatibly by Einstein's general theory of relativity, which casts it as curves in the geometry of space-time. Sets of particles manifest the symmetries of the standard model in the same way that four corners of a square must exist in order to realize a symmetry of 90-degree rotations. The question is, why this symmetry group? SU3 cross SU2 cross U1. And why this particular particle representation, with the observed particle's funny assortment of charges, curious handedness, and three generation redundancy? The conventional attitude toward these equations has been to treat the standard model as a broken piece of some more complete theoretical structure. But Baez says a competing tendency is to try to use the octonions. So the idea is, you know, if you're trying to explain something weird that there's like only a limited number of forces, maybe you should use some math that says something else weird that says there's only a limited number of division algebras. Although it's weird, it's a mathematical fact, so... <laughs> So you're, like, getting the weirdness out of the laws of logic somehow. Fury began seriously pursuing the possibility in grad school when she learned that quaternions capture the way particles translate and rotate in 4D space-time. She wondered about particles' internal properties, like their charge. She realized that the eight degrees of freedom of the octonions could correspond to one generation of particles, one neutrino, one electron, three up quarks, and three down quarks. It's a bit of numerology that had raised eyebrows before. The coincidences have since multiplied. She says if the research were a murder mystery, we'd still be in the process of collecting clues. To reconstruct particle physics, Fury uses the product of the four-division algebras. Get out your mental blackboard here. 
R is for real numbers, C for complex numbers, H is for quaternions, and O is for octonions. These are the four division algebras. String theorist Michael Duff says Fury looks at these in a different way to reconstruct particle physics. Instead of taking the four number systems, R, C, H, O, separately, she's looked at products of them, R times C, C times H, H times O, and so on, and has tried to link the kinds of patterns you get by doing that with the quarks and leptons that we see in the standard model. This type of algebra is sometimes called Dixon algebra. It's named after Jeffrey Dixon, a physicist who first used this method in the 1970s and 80s. Dixon thinks back to the time he was a grad student. I saw the incredible power of just the complexes and the quaternions and then went to a talk at Harvard before they gave up their whole dream of doing things with the octonions. And saw that the Actonians were linked by these people at Yale, headed by Fezik Gerze, with the color symmetry SU3. So that was in the early 1970s. And I decided, okay, wait a minute, you've got the Actonians with SU3. The set of all unit quaternions is SU2. And the set of all unit complexes is U1. So you have the entire standard symmetry right there with those three algebras. And I (laughs) refuse to believe then and refuse to believe now that that's an accident, Mm -hmm. that the symmetry that describes our physical universe is just accidentally linked that way. In his memoirs, Dixon says he had an out-of-control intuition that these algebras were key to understanding particle physics. He says he was willing to follow his intuition off a cliff. Whereas Dixon and others proceeded by mixing the division algebras with extra mathematical machinery, Fury restricts herself. In her plan, the algebras act on themselves. The four number systems are combined and form a 64-dimensional abstract space. Within this space, in Fury's model, particles are mathematical ideals, or elements of a subspace that, when multiplied by other elements, stay in that subspace. This allows particles to stay particles even as they move, rotate, interact, and transform. The idea is that these mathematical ideals are the particles of nature, and they manifest the symmetries of R cross C cross H cross O. As Dixon knew, the algebra splits cleanly into two parts, C cross H and C cross O, the products of complex numbers with quaternions and octonions. The symmetries associated with how particles move and rotate in space-time together are known as the Lorentz group. In Fury's model, they arise from the quaternionic C cross H part of the algebra. The symmetry group SU3 cross SU2 cross U1 associated with particles' internal properties and mutual interactions via the strong, weak, and electromagnetic forces come from the octonionic part, C cross O. In their early work, Gnaiden and Gerzi found SU3 inside the octonions. Consider the base set of octonions, 1, E1, 
e2, e3, e4, e5, e6, and e7. These are unit distances in eight different orthogonal directions. They respect a group of symmetries called G2, which happens to be one of the rare exceptional groups that can't be mathematically classified into other existing symmetry group families. The octonions are intimately connected to all of the exceptional groups and other special mathematical objects. So increasingly more and more experts believe the octonions must be important. The late Fields medalist and Abel Prize-winning mathematician Sir Michael Atiyah was one of those on board with the idea. In a 2010 lecture, he said the final theory of nature must be octonionic. The real theory, which we would like to get to, which we may not get to in my time, should aim to include gravity with all these theories in such a way that gravity is seen to be very much consequence of the octonions and the exceptional groups. This would be a really beautiful end to the search. It ends here because we know that the octonions are the last division algebra. There is nothing beyond. Atia won't be able to see what happens with Fury's work with the octonions. He died earlier this year. But in that same lecture, he noted that algebra is a better place to look for this than physics because the algebras have limits. It may be wrong. Maybe I'm not on the right track. But if I'm right, then this is where we should look for the final theory of gravity. It'll be hard because we know the octonions are hard. But it, when you find it, it should be a beautiful theory and it should be unique. Holding E7 constant while transforming the other unit octonions reduces their symmetries to the group SU3. Gnaiden and Gerzi used this fact to build an octonionic model of the strong force acting on a single generation of quarks. Fury has gone further. In her paper published last May in the European Physical Journal C, she consolidated several findings to construct the full standard model symmetry group, SU3 cross SU2 cross U1, for a single generation of particles. The math produced the correct array of electric charges and other attributes for an electron neutrino, three up quarks, three down quarks, and their antiparticles. The math also suggests a reason why electric charge is quantized in discrete units, essentially because whole numbers are. But in that model's way of arranging particles, it's unclear how to naturally extend the model to cover the full three-particle generations that exist in nature. In another paper, Fury uses C cross O to construct the standard model's two unbroken symmetries, SU3 and U1. Remember that in nature, SU2 cross U1 is broken down into U1 by the Higgs mechanism, a process that imbues particles with mass. In this case, the symmetries act on all three particle generations and also allow for the existence of particles called sterile neutrinos. These are candidates for dark matter that physicists are actively searching for now. Fury points out the three-generation model only has SU3 cross U1. She says the question is, is there an obvious way to go from the one-generation picture to the three-generation picture? She thinks there is. This is the main question she's after now. Mathematical physicist Michel Dubois-Violette Ivan Todorov and Svetla Drinska are also trying to model the three-particle generations using a structure that incorporates octonions called the exceptional Jordan algebra. 
After years of working solo, Fury is beginning to collaborate with researchers who take different approaches. But she prefers to stick with the product of the four-division algebras acting on itself. It's complicated enough and provides flexibility in the many ways it can be chopped up. Fury's goal is to find the model that ends up feeling inevitable and includes mass, the Higgs mechanism, gravity, and space-time. Already, there's a sense of space-time in the math. She finds that all multiplicative chains of elements of R cross C cross H cross O can be generated by 10 matrices called generators. Nine of the generators act like spatial dimensions. The 10th, which has the opposite sign, behaves like time. String theory also predicts 10 space-time dimensions, and the octonions are involved there as well. Whether or how Fury's work connects to string theory remains to be seen. Fury is taken with the mystery of why the property of division is so key. She also has a hunch, reflecting a common allergy to infinity, that R cross C cross H cross O is actually an approximation that will be replaced in the final theory with another related mathematical system that doesn't involve the infinite continuum of real numbers. That's just intuition talking. But with the standard model passing tests to staggering perfection and no enlightening new particles materializing at the Large Hadron Collider in Europe, a new feeling is in the air, ushering a return to whiteboards and blackboards. There's a burgeoning sense that maybe we're just not done with putting together the puzzle pieces. Michelle Yoon helped with this episode. I'm Susan Vallett. For more on this story, read Natalie Wolchover's full article, The Peculiar Math That Could Underlie the Laws of Nature, on our website, quantamagazine.org. Learning about science and math doesn't have to stop with this podcast or Quanta Magazine. The MIT Press has published two Quanta books, Alice and Bob Meet the Wall of Fire and The Prime Number Conspiracy. Available now at Amazon.com, BarnesandNoble.com, or your local bookstore.